Welcome to Risk Roundup. Emerging technologies are fundamentally transforming the human ecosystem. The changes and challenges of the ongoing technology transformation are so profound that from the perspective of the need for human skills, learning and growth, there has never been a time of greater promise or potential peril. As a result, the need for technology-driven coaching and communication is becoming very essential. The communication between a man and machine is evolving rapidly. There are strong indicators that in the coming years, AI, that means artificial intelligence, will move past the technical hurdles and play a meaningful role in human progress and development. This is largely due to advances in conversational AI and will undoubtedly have huge implications in the way we do coaching, training, and communication in the coming years. The emerging AI-powered conversation interface is on its way to completely redefine in how coaching is going to be done. To discuss AI-driven virtual coach further, I'm delighted to welcome Nikita Lukianets to this round. Nikita is the founder and chief technology officer of Pocket Confident AI, and he's based in Ukraine. Welcome, Nikita. We are honored to have you on Risk Roundup. Hello. Thank you for having me here. Wonderful, Nikita. So from your assessment, from where you see the developments happening, what technology trends do you see that will define the future of coaching? Well, first of all, uh, if we talk about coaching, I guess before jumping into a technology trend, we have to we have to bring some definitions. And uh, in in our team and with our board of advisors, we're looking at coaching as a broad field, and we draw uh, a boundary between mentorship and coaching. In this in this regard, for us, mentorship is uh, is the field where uh, where the individual is being helped and supported with a subject matter expertise. Meaning, for example, if you're a professional financial advisor uh, and you're if you're mentoring someone on how to do uh, finances. You would be a mentor, but not a coach. On the other side, uh, the coach would be someone who doesn't, who does not necessarily have a subject matter expertise, but is able to uh, give someone a way to find solutions and to find answers uh, by him or by herself, by providing motivation, by asking the right questions, not necessarily subject. Uh, subject matter oriented so that the individual or an organization would be able to discover, find out and excel uh, the goal towards the goal or toward or overcome the problem that they're facing. So that, yes, go ahead, please. So I guess, uh, I guess when we, uh, when we talk about uh, technology for coaching, first of all, we'll have to, uh, we'll have to look at what's happening in, in technology landscape in the world in general today. Uh, what we are seeing is that uh, more and more uh, companies uh, tend to integrate already developed technologies into their, into their portfolio so that they will support their, uh, their innovation strategies. Uh, second, we see more and more that uh, that monotonous human uh, human skills uh, are becoming are becoming augmented and substituted by uh, 
by those made by, uh, made by machines. And on the third side, what we see is that uh, the way machines and humans interact, uh, interact today has been, has been a very simplistic way. Uh, we, for more than 50 years, we've been using screens and keyboards uh, to talk to a computer. This hasn't changed much uh, up until today, but uh, spanning from those fields where reactions and responses have to be rapid, mostly for military, we see that we start to uh, we start to augment humans with uh, with those physical systems that can touch not only our visual inputs but also our auditory input, our sensory proprioceptory inputs. So those uh, those kinds of senses that we that we normally use as as humans, not only visual and. Uh, this is very important because when we when we talk about coaching, and, and coaching has been a human-to-human -human, uh, area for thousands of years. We remember Socrates, who has been one of the well, one of the best and well most well-known coaches who has used questions to uh, help his students find answers and to excel in their studies and learning about the nature. Uh, nature of human and nature of surrounding. It has been uh, the interaction where emotions have, uh, were involved, where uh, understanding of gestures was involved, where humans were sharing while walking. So th there was always the environment and surrounding. There was always the context that was transmitted. Uh, and and, and when now we want to understand how technology is impacting it, we, we have to look at how technology has been moving forward so that it can transmit more context to the individual, so that individual can perceive, uh, perceive those things that, uh, that they were naturally perceiving through, uh, through their human senses, but also how we can uh, how we how we can make conversation conversations more natural. Conversational uh, technology is not new as well. We started our interactions with computers by uh, so-called common line interface, where we used to type commands, and these commands were pretty well defined because computers were were able only to do things that they were that were programmed to do. The next step or the next evolution of, uh, of, com of computers or of interfaces in that regard was the visual or graphic user interface. And now we transition to QE, CUI, or conversational user interface, where computer can guess with a, with a high degree of probability whether a human means one or another thing, whether a human has an intent and then computer can use this intent to validate what uh, what user is uh, is asking computer to do uh, and here we and here today we are uh, working on improving on one side improving how computers can better understand what human means and then on the on another side of how can computer better react and what human on, on what human means and how can computer provide with necessary with the necessary resource. And here I'm not talking 
only about coaching, but of the variety and, and, and family of applications that use conversational, uh, conversational type of interaction. Yes. Yes. No, I, 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 I mean, thank you for giving that uh, understanding and differentiating between mentoring and coaching, because it's very important that we understand that, that, you know, these uh, virtual coaches are not experts in the subject matter area, like you said, but, you know, it can help you by, you know, guiding you where to look for, you know, answers and, you know, how to do it. It gives us an ability to look for, you know, the answers in the right place. Uh, it will help students, you know, uh, because it will guide them to look, you know, where to look for uh, the material, you know, because uh, which areas, you know, uh, especially on the web, where to scan. Or even if, let's say, you know, someone is a loner, you know, uh, introvert, you know, private person who who is not very comfortable in social surroundings, then it would help them, guide them into how to start a conversation, you know, what to talk, what topics to talk about and things like that. So it will play a huge role and it will probably, you know, help uh, also the uh, mental health you know industry significantly because you know a lot of people are very lonely young people also at of all age groups so you know to have someone to talk to you know who can guide you you know in surroundings like when you are going it would be very very useful but the other point that you made about the intent that is very very a big development because as we see the mind you know uh, technologies uh, that when you are driving a car or you know when uh, you are trying to not drive it yourself but uh, autonomous car and you just give a command using your mind that you know take a left turn or take a right turn uh, these kind of because now ai is becoming so intelligent that it understands the intent so it just uh, it can you know get the signal from the brain waves that uh, you are giving a command to take a left turn or right turn and it picks up the intent and it you know you it just follows the command so there is a lot that can be done because now ai is intelligent enough to understand what you know the intent of the human user is and you know in future probably you know machine user and you know it there is a lot that will be able to done so a uh, great advances are happening and you know especially it's very exciting for the coaching industry because it's not only the students but, but you know individuals and also the you know at the work environment there is a lot that can be done by the virtual coaches so what is the future that you see as we move forward with this automated you know virtual coach uh, that you know can provide uh, great value for each industries and you know for individuals of each age group uh, with with the partners of mine uh, who are certified coaches and so with our advisory board who who can, who's consistent who, who consists which consists of from the clinical psychologists psychologists uh, learning specialists we're working on how to make this technology used and discovered by users even more so what is possible with the machine that has not been possible before uh, with human human to human interaction is that machine can have an indefinite memory, meaning that our uh, technology and technology in general could learn from one single user during the lifespan of the conversation or to learn from the myriads of interactions. So for example, we can ask the question, 
uh, what would you like to talk about today and look for uh, and look for an answer from what is the average answer to this question we can understand how users are responding and then we can track the arc of the conversation so how the conversation is is developing and try to understand and predict whether the user is going to leave the conversation or or what kind of outcomes this conversation is going to give is go is going to get to from the first set of interactions so here like human gets the experience ai ai uh, may get an experience as well by looking at the series of the interactions from the not only from one users but from a multiple users while a single coach can technically talk to maybe uh, 30 to 50 uh, human uh, clients during the year uh, in a very intense workload, machine can talk to hundred hundred thousands or even millions. And what this gives us, this gives us a huge opportunity for learning and giving uh, not only uh, a qualitative, but also a quantitative uh, evidence whether the coaching works, which kind of results coaching better supports and which kind of situations coaching is not able to be or, or is not necessary a good tool to be used because there we have to be also aware of the placebo effect that many coaches has been has been um, utilizing not because not because they have a wrong intentions but just because of the nature of a human relationship we don't want to uh, put anyone in a bad uh, position and a bad situation and we would because we had, we had this useful relationship, because we went it out, because we talked, uh, we may uh, feel that the situation has resolved, but the nature of the situation is maybe very complex. And therefore, we would not know whether it's because of the, it's because of the structure and protocol of the conversation that we got to the good result, or it's just because of the placebo effect. So here with technology, we have a real, uh, a real possibility, and here I would like to invite uh, researchers to to get in contact with us because we are collecting this data, and we would like to uh, collaborate with them by by doing an in-depth research and understanding in which cases uh, coaching is useful and which cases the coaching uh, is effective and how effective it is compared to other methods of learning and uh, of learning and development. Where we use it, where we should use it, what types of questions are the, are the best and the most effective questions. How to relate this data, how to relate conversational data to neuroscientific data and to understand how the physiology is changed through the conversation, whether we have the, whether we have the physiological reaction during the conversation or not, whether we have uh, the stress uh, the, the effect of stress uh, during the conversation reflected on our physiology or not. These are all open questions and they're available on pocketconfident.com slash research for, uh, for review. And uh, I'm, I, I would be really open to, uh, to get in contact with uh, academic researchers to discuss uh, these questions and to set up a research, uh, research programs and design experiments. Yes. Great, great. So you you, you made yeah. a point that you use uh, certified uh, uh, 
these coaches, what does that mean? So uh, our board of directors are certified, uh, are certified coaches. So the way the machine is trained is, the way the machine is behaving is validated by the certified coach, but there is no contact between human and human in, in the way our machine works. So our machine directly talks to humans. So it's a fully automated system that talks to, uh, that talks to the coaches, to the users. Got you. So you, you mean the certified meaning they are trained and they are certified they're by... Trained, they're trained and they're certified either by International Coach Federation or other uh, renowned uh, coaching uh, certification bodies that uh, that, do, that did the training and that they worked uh, they worked as a as a professional coach. So so the point that you, made, that you are you would like to invite uh, academicians you know from different uh, education institutes to of course from to coach certain you know or to investigate or you know research certain to problems contribute, to contribute uh, to the research and to understand uh, to ask questions with us together on how in which conditions coaching is effective what are the best protocols. Uh, because what we are doing, we're collecting the data from the uh, from the interactions between machines and users, and therefore we would be able to then depersonalize, uh, fully depersonalize this data, and with the permission of the uh, of the users who have uh, conducted the coaching conversation, do the research based do the research based on data. We take privacy and ethics very seriously here. Uh, no one reads the conversation and even our technical team don't have a direct, direct access uh, to the private uh, data. So even I don't know who has conducted which conversations. If I want to look at the conversation, I would only know uh, the details about the conversation, but I have no idea about the personality of the user. Right. No, no I, I think it's very interesting. And I think where I would like to see this moving is Every individual should have their own personal coach right from the you know childhood, and it grows with the you know individual. And that uh, coach, you know, co interacts on behalf of that individual with all these different you know uh, in BC like Alexa, you know, Amazon's Alexa and Siri and all that. It interacts with them. So what would happen is if that virtual coach has been with that individual for an entire you know life, then it has you know an ability to understand the individual and coach it because it understands the individual it has been with it from the right from the beginning and then it interacts on behalf of the individual it interacts with all these other you know interfaces and other you know chatbots and uh, all the different uh, coaches and mentors and everything that is going to be out there ai based so the what would happen is at the goal here is to have the data that is being collected stay with the individual because in the coming years what we are going to see is that you know as the ai starts taking more jobs and the revenue sources the income the jobs you know are going to go away so the, every individual will look for other you know income sources so this to have an ability to save the data with that individual and then the individual has a choice to give that data to lease it or you know sell it to any you know platform or whoever is you know 
looking for at its own terms. So the re reason I'm thinking about this to keep it the data, you know, with the individual is so that, you know, they all will have, you know, another revenue source, you know, a way to make money because they we will have to figure out how individuals are going to uh, support themselves when the job starts going away. So do you see something like that, you know, in your vision as you develop these, you know, coaches and uh, as you develop different, you know, models? Because we have to think, you know, strategically about where what challenges are going to emerge and how we can help every individual across nations because we will have to come up with different answers. Thank you. Uh, indeed, what you're saying may be true. And what we see is that more and more uh, the automation is, uh, is coming into the workplace. However, in our vision, we're not planning to sell user's data to anyone or to transmit user's data to a third party without their permissions or even do business on the user. What we want, we want to do business on the quality of the coaching service, where the users would benefit not necessarily from selling of their personal data, but from the skills that they will develop and obtain by working with the virtual coach. Uh, what we see today is that the skill building, uh, skill building support. Uh, is one of the biggest goals uh, and also one of the biggest goals outlined by uh, both Davos Economic Forum and United Nations that uh, critical skills, critical thinking, creative thinking is going to be one of the most demanded, uh, one, of the, one of those most demanded skills. These are the soft skills. These are the skills that could be transferred from one subject matter expertise from one domain to another domain. And therefore, uh, it means that building these skills would not necessarily depend on the content, but on the way people, uh, on the way people think. Yes. So how can we be those, uh, those supporters to people in, in, in developing those skills? How can we uh, give them questions that will promote them, will guide them in their thinking and where uh, through the interaction, people would learn better how to think in a more effective way and yes. how to end and how to, how to also manage their emotions and manage stress. We're not trying to, uh, to avoid stress. For example, if we talk about the mental health issues, we're trying to give tool for people to manage it. Because stress is not available, is not avoidable. It's going to follow us. It's going to be with us throughout our throughout our career, throughout uh, uh, us when we are in the organization or we are uh, we are with our families. So, I think here, uh, I think here, what's what's interesting and, and, and important is how technology is moving from first from giving human coaches the access to provide their services to individuals. So what, what happens today is that uh, human coaches can coach people through distance. Yes. And uh, they have been doing so. The next stage, yeah, the next stage of the development of, of technology is how to give people choice of what coach to work with. So what we find what we find in the market is 
that the uberization of coach of coaching is happening. So we have a systems that match individuals with individuals, and therefore, um, therefore, coaches can get uh, the coach that will satisfy their needs. And the 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 next uh, the next leap in in technologies what technology is bringing is there bringing the uh, autonomous systems in the market where uh, where machines can give support to humans when humans are not available. Uh, if we if we bring here the analogy from the from the transportation industry where Uberization is is matching humans with drivers, uh, automation means that we are getting the autonomous vehicles, we are get, getting a self-driving cars. Uh, and in coaching, the same situation is happening. We're seeing more and more uh, fully autonomous solutions that are appearing on the market. Uh, the way they work are different. So some are focusing on, on content, so they are giving more mentorship style exercises or a single choice, uh, they're providing a single choice scenarios. Well, we are not focusing on any content, but we're, ba we're basing the conversation on context and on how people express their thoughts and feelings. So we use uh, structures of the language and psycholinguistics to identify the mental state of the user and then guide people from one men mental state to another to help them be uh, more effective, but depending on the use case. So for example, if the user would like to uh, formulate a goal, this is one use case, or if the user want to prepare, prepare for a meeting, that's another use case. But um, the real coach wouldn't necessarily care if the meeting is about uh, a conference on quantum physics or the meeting, or the meeting is, uh, is about manager, managerial practices. The coach would rather ask questions about the goals of the meetings and the motivation of the meetings and what would we like to get uh, from the meetings, and this is these are those scenarios who could be, which could be, uh, uh, which could be automated to a certain uh, to a certain extent. And again, we're not trying to substitute uh, substitute human. We don't believe in substitution. We believe in augmentation. We believe that a machine can be there and do a certain function for us to be a tool. Great. That that would be amazing for you know. A uh, virtual coach to have that kind of ability to prepare you mentally. So, you do you see a lot of uh, human-like emotions to be embedded into the virtual coaches for them to be able to understand what humans may go through before a meeting, like you were just saying, you know, or before any important task, so that they can prepare them, build confidence. So, you are, I, do you see a need for you know making them like humans? So that they can relate to human, you know, challenges, uh, uh, you know, confidence building, and uh, those kind of challenges. Uh, I can give I can give two comments on the on this regard. Uh, the anthropomorphization of uh, machine intelligence is our human natural trait. So mm -hmm. it's us humans trying to give human features and human traits to machine. It's not the machine by itself. That is, uh, that is trying to be like humans. So uh, users are expecting uh, machines to act like humans, but, but it doesn't mean that machines have to. 
machines will act uh, in the way we program them and they will have control over what we give them control of. So if we, uh, if we give them the ability to recognize uh, human emotions, we did this uh, two years ago, we were working with the voice uh, recognition technology and we did proof of concept with which we uh, won uh, the, the nomination and we went to the global finals in Microsoft Imagine Cup competition being an, a global fi uh, global finalist there. Uh, what we did, we used uh, human-to-machine conversations where uh, humans talked vocally with the machines and machine responded vocally. And we were able to not only transcribe uh, voice into text, it is a pretty well-known task and is uh, widely known and done today by our smartphones, but also to recognize five most uh, basic uh, emotions from the intonations of the voice. Uh, and uh, this, was all, uh, this was on the, the beginning and we, uh, we didn't continue going towards that direction, but you can, uh, you can imagine that uh, that's this feature such as Having, uh, having additional information from the from what kind of emotional background the person is having while uh, while talking to a machine if the user says yes with energy or the user says yes without energy how can we treat this response and what kind of questions or what kind of resources can we provide in response to such answers so this opens us uh, uh, opportunity this opens opportunities to machines to interact in a more precise way. So to give a more precise responses to, uh, to, the, to the input that the user provides. Uh, so here I talked about three basic, uh, three basic technological, um, technological stages, humans talking with each other, machine providing, uh, providing an intermediary, matching uh, matching function between humans, human coaches and human uh, clients and machine being a virtual coach to uh, to a real human. And then the, there is a third, there is a fourth uh, uh, dimension on which we're working today. Uh, and this is how can we become a part of every kind of learning, uh, learning environments such, such as a learning management systems where conversation may happen. So for example, students learning Coursera. So learning at Coursera or other massive online courses. So how can, how can we be a support to integrate it in such environments so that the user that doesn't cope or the user that has an answer and needs not necessarily an information, but a ping or uh, or a deblocking uh, action. So how can we give user this missing question that can help him to overcome the obstacles and think differently about the same situation he's had? Yes, yes, I see your point. This is more machine to machine interaction and how machines, how how coaching technology could integrate into 
other technology through API, through application programming interface, and then uh, help other technology to become better or to ask user questions if needed without user even going to downloading an app. So being a seamless, seamlessly integrated into other, uh, into other Yes, no, absolutely. And I'm thinking that when we, uh, I mean, there are a lot of advances happening in uh, also brain to brain interface. We are right now talking about uh, human to, you know, computer interface, brain to computer, but uh, there is also a lot of, you know, brain to brain in interface development happening. And that time when, you know, to have these kind of courses, virtual courses that uh, can, uh, also be a mediator between a, uh, if there are you know some situations where virtual coach is not able to answer all the questions or not able to guide the individual human individual in the way and there is a, some complex you know scenario then it can also connect directly with the human experts so there are a lot of you know possibilities where if you know it's because it will take some time before all the virtual coaches will be trained uh, you know like an expert so in the meantime, we can also create that kind of uh, uh, interface that can uh, involve the real, you know, human expert uh, to, you know, transition through that. But uh, yeah, I, would, I, I would, I would agree with you uh, on the stance that yes, while machine is not uh, in the cases where machine is not capable uh, in answering with the high precision or high quality answers to the human response, we may look human professional in the loop uh, so, that, uh, so that the human professional can answer and give a qualified help. And I, I think this is the correct, uh, this is a correct way of handling it. And also of uh, identifying those cases where machines are incapable or machines are short, uh, uh, in in giving the right answers. However, I not I would not uh, suggest us to speculate on the brain-to-brain -brain interfaces or uh, or brain-computer interfaces here because of, this is an off-topic, uh, rather an off-topic question, and we still don't know what the mind is and what the thought yeah. is and what is the physical representation of it. A little bit far. I mean, there's still a lot. When of we're looking at when we're talking about the neuroscientific aspect of it, we have to we have to really understand what 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 uh, parts of our uh, brain are taking uh, are taking part in the in the in the cognitive process and how reflected. And our measurement tools today are very very limited in the in filtering out. Uh, in filtering out the noise from the real signal, uh, from the real signals, so we are we have hard times in the real life conditions uh, it, uh, doing a clean experiments. Yes, there is still a lot of you know research that needs to be done to be able to reach that point. But talking about your platform that you are developing, is it an open platform or uh, because you are so focused on the quality and uh, skill set, it looks like it may not be an open platform, right? So um, on uh, what, uh, what we are doing, so we have, uh, we have a chat interface today that allows every single user uh, to work with, um, to work and talk with the machine 
we are in the early stage right now. So we're focusing uh, mostly on bringing this to organizations because organizations give us a way uh, more narrow scenarios in which we can test and understand what is effective and what is not. So what we can understand in, in test in, in use cases with organizations. Uh, we focus on the English speaking, uh, speaking markets and, and environments right now. Mostly it's United States, Australia and United Kingdom uh, where coaching is already well known as a concept. So it is demanded. But the problem that is not solved yet is how to scale coaching to the entire organization. We had a problem of only a C-level management and, and top-level management being coached. With $15 billion market today uh, in coaching, we only have 4% of employees covered by coaching efforts in the Fortune 1000. Mm -hmm. What does that mean? It means that 96% of it of employees are not served. And this is the main workforce. And this are those, these are those people who are constantly under stress, constantly trying to uh, trying to, to be more productive, but they don't have sufficient tools to, to do this. And, and our dream is to give every single individual, not only inside the organization, yes, we start with the, with the organizations now, but give every single individual the way to excel and the way, the way to build his own, uh, his own thinking and feeling capacities through this uh, interaction with the machine. Oh, that would be amazing. I agree with you on that. So do you see that your virtual course that you are developing that will require a new hardware that can cope with the uh, interactions and the demand, data demand and all, or you, it's all going to be in the cloud? So, when we talk about, so there are different types of computations that could be done. Uh, and, and some could be done in the cloud and some could be done locally on the user, uh, on the user side. So for example, uh, when we talk about the bot generating, uh, generating answers or generating questions and sending them to users, yes, we see this happening in the cloud. But when we talk about the recognition of emotions or transforming a voice into text. This could be done locally. If we take uh, if we take modern um, natural language processing libraries that is, exist, they are compatible and available for mobile devices. So it means that they could be coded and embedded into today applications, and then this application could could make a part of uh, part of computing locally, and then only send uh, necessary information to be to, to the cloud, so that on the cloud we can uh, generate not only the list of uh, the list of best possible questions, but find the best targeted one to this complete scenario, to this complete uh, user profile, to this complete. Uh, set of emotions if we also uh, transfer the emotion recognition from the, from the local device. So I, so, so I look at this as a more hybrid solution rather than A or B, rather than local versus, uh, versus cloud-based cloud solution.
Understood. Understood. So now, when you when you have these coaches, you know, interact with humans, there is also going to be a, you know need for language. I mean, irrespective of whether you know it speaks English or you know, because each individual will have you know different language that they you know converse with. I mean, it could be English, Spanish, or Mandarin, or you know. hindi or any kind of language so how i mean there are so many different languages in the world i mean i think it's about 6000 plus languages right uh, in especially the human language and uh, uh, it's still evolving so how do you exp- uh, how do you see your virtual coach doing the you know conversational uh, or coaching and have fluency in all these 600 plus languages 600 plus so, There is an interesting uh there is an interesting aspect of the language and the most interesting aspect of the language is uh, is the variability of the language. So what we it's not only in how different people express their thoughts but also in how one human uh, individual one human being can express one single thought using different expressions and 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 different words in one single language. so that the technical the technical problems are even broader and deeper than switching from one language to another but us also navigating within one single language so we one of the one of the research uh, uh experiments that we have been doing with the university of nice is to figure out how people are using the symbolic language to express their thoughts and uh one example of a symbolic language is chinese or japanese but what we see today is happening with the with languages like english uh that teenagers more and more use smileys and emojis to express their thoughts and the sentence could look like five or six emojis starting with a heart and then thumbs up and then victory and then uh something else and this would constitute a whole sentence So how can we understand whether a bot using the emojis or not is going to engage people even more into the conversation or engage less what is the right uh, what is the right amount of emojis these are open questions today and and, and this open questions are subject to the evolution of our day-to-day language and is not only uh, is not only related to virtual culture uh this is this is if we talk this if we this is are the questions if we talk about the complexity of the language by itself when we talk switching to different languages from english to spanish or from english to mandarin or different dial uh, different dialects of chinese language today the technology that we are using is capable of working with 90 different language we just focus on one so 90 uh interestingly for a machine to understand human and to to transcribe the the semantics of the language we don't need another language there has been an experience uh, experiment i think uh, done by uh, one of the tech giants where a machine was talking to a machine and it invented its own language so we don't it means that uh, having the meaning communicated from one agent to another we don't necessarily need a, a natural language we may need a synthetic language 
And if synthetic language can conduct the meaning, it means that we can create the interpreter of this language and translate then this uh, intermediary language into one of those natural languages that exist. Of course, uh, today we're not, uh, we're not part of uh, a non-governmental uh, or non-profit fund. However, we would like to be uh, at some point uh, delivering this to every single to every single language but we would be uh, we would be focusing first on those languages that are uh, most widely used yes and also uh, also uh, we need to be focusing on those languages where coaching is understood as a concept yes because coaching is not culturally culturally appropriate or is not understood as a concept uh, Pushing, uh, pushing this as uh, as a tradition, or, or or pushing this as a way to uh, help humans may not work at all. Therefore, we would like to uh, to act like a real coaches by looking at where demand is coming. So first, the user needs or the client needs to come to coach and say, "I'm here. I'm in front of you. I need help." And then with this uh, with this demand coach will start to work by identifying uh, by identifying what are the areas where uh, coaching could help and what are the areas where coaching couldn't. Yes, no, that makes sense now that uh, this is such a, you know, uh, exciting area. And like, I, I agree with your approach that, you know, for now we should focus on the languages where coaching is a accepted, you know, norm. And uh, otherwise, you know, there is no point of, you know, going towards all languages where the concept is not even, you know, uh, alive. So it, it makes sense. Your approach, you know, makes sense. So now talking about your virtual coaches, how do you see it helps streamline the internal operations by mapping the customer queries to the most common response? Because it's not just uh, that there are only specific questions that would be asked by, you know, customers. It could be any question. And, you know, the coach will also ask questions, you know, to get uh, the user think, you know, in a different way. So how do you see these, you know, streamlining internal operations? I guess I do not completely understand your question. Maybe you can, uh, you can make an example so that I can uh, relate. Sure. So, I mean, it's uh, the coaches are, they are not like in the beginning, you differentiated that they are not mentors. So they are not going to give all the answers, but at the same time, uh, these coaches, you know, it helps. It, it asks questions. It makes the users think. You know, it's a critical thinking, right? I mean, it helps them think in a certain way, but it still has to map the, you know, all these responses. So, how? I mean, how to when the coaches, you know, make the user think in a certain way? <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> Sorry about that. So when the coach, you know, is trying to make the user think in a certain way, are the coaches, you know, given guidelines in how to, you know, think or what kind of questions to give to the user? So are those going to be only the preset questions that the coach is trained with? Or is it, you know, machine learning where it's, you know, it will come up with, you know, more questions on its own? depending on the interaction that happens between the user. I uh, Now I think I understand your question. So uh, 
of course, when we started to build our technology, we had to come up with the with the limited set of questions that are suitable uh, in one or another use case that would be the right answers. However, while we collect more and more linguistic data from the interactions with the user, we are able now to not only uh, use those questions that we have uh, predefined and pre-built, but also use the user's answers to modify the questions and therefore base our new questions on the structure of the input, uh, input language from the user. It means that we are, uh, we're not necessarily guiding, we're absolutely not guiding user to think in a certain way because asking open-ended questions uh, gives us a beauty of openness for the user because user can think whatever he wants to think and all the work, unlike, uh, unlike Siri or a search engine like bots that answer to the prompts of the user, our bot is asking questions. And the beauty of this is that all the work is happening not in the reality is that all the work is happening not in our machine, but all the work is happening in the brains and in the minds of the user, where the user is finding the resources uh, in themselves, where users are uh, looking for answers by sure. analyzing their, uh, their options. And this is what coaching is meant to be. Coaching yes. is meant to help users to generate options. Yes. And generative approach is, uh, is actually helping people to overcome their, their difficulties and see uh, those uh, scenarios that were unseen before. Yes, no, I, I, I hear you on that. Now, as far as the uh, AI-driven virtual coaches goes, they are powered by artificial intelligence, natural language processing. So their performance is decided by not only the algorithm, but also the volume of knowledge they possess, right? So the data or content on the subject that they work with, because even to ask questions, you know, to guide, you know, the user to think, you know, sort of, uh, or you know, in a bro asking broad-ended question, it all requires the data. So, like all other AI applications, the more data a virtual coach has, the conversational AI you know platform will be better, and it it will be able to ask questions, you know, more open-ended questions, and it will be able to handle more complex scenarios. So, how do you see? How do you see? Uh, the data to be fed to this, you know, AI, the algorithm, how much data, you know, you'll be feeding that and how you will be training. Like you just, you know, in the beginning said that you are welcoming all the, you know, academicians to come and, you know, collaborate and work on this. So what kind of data do you expect them to bring and what kind of uh, data do you foresee feeding your algorithms to prepare them more for more complex scenarios and how to, you know, coach them, uh, users, you know, better? I've heard several questions and I'll try to answer uh, all of them step, uh, step by step. So first of all, I want to, I want to say that you, are now opening a door to a very complex and interesting questions in the field of AI is how do you depend on data and how do you use data and how are you dependent on it? 
for for the majority of uh, I would not say AI applications, but machine learning applications. Yes. Data is crucial, and the amounts of data are crucial. And uh, when it comes to a, a, a novice or or unprofessional machine learning machine learning teams, they sometimes get broken just because they are not able to work effectively with the data uh, with the data that they uh, that they collect. Uh, interestingly, in our applications, we in our application we don't need a lot of data, and the reason for that is not because we uh, are not using natural language processing, but it's because the way we use it doesn't depend on the content we collect, but depends on the context that the users are communicating to us. So we are a context-driven, uh, we're context-driven, we are building a context-driven machine where our machine gives uh, responses to the user mostly based on the structure of the sentence. And there are a limited set of structures of the sentence compared to, uh, compared to different scenarios of, uh, compared to different context, uh, content uh, scenarios. So for example, I, t I can talk about the problem with my family. I can talk about the problem with my boss. I can talk about the problem on the street. But the reality is that I am talking about the problem. I'm talking about the challenge, about the issue. This has this, it has the same structure. While the coach wouldn't really care if it's a home or, or an office environment, the coach would, would immediately understand that I'm talking about something that matters and it doesn't go well, and then ask the next question in response. So in this regard, uh, we're not limited by data. Where we are uh, able to collect uh, the information from from users from the structural uh, from the structural. Then the next question that the next question that that you have asked was about why are we inviting uh, researchers and what we are expecting uh, from this collaboration with the researchers. So. For, uh, to set up the to set up the the experiment, we need to understand the what the outcome of the experiment we we would like to achieve. So, how are we going to measure whether the conversation with the user is effective or not? So, we need to uh, we need to create a positive and negative um, and negative outcomes, and then analyze how the conversation is going towards this positive and negative scenarios. And here we can introduce different, different measures, such as the length of the conversation, the duration of the conversation, how uh, many words users, uh, users utilize to express their thoughts. Is their vocabulary rich or poor? Are they using slang language? Are they using a certain, uh, certain repetitions in the way they express, is their language full of linguistic markers that express uh, emotional background, or they're more up to the point, straight to the point, uh, saying what happened to them? So uh, there are multiple factors that we can uh, that we can analyze throughout uh, throughout the conversation. But of course, first of all, 
every experiment has uh, has a goal. And if we talk about the productivity uh, in the workplace, we have to set up the right uh, uh, the right environment to measure the productivity. So we have to introduce a key performance indicator that will tell us that the productivity is going up or going down. We can inter introduce temporal measures so we can start from an experiment with one or two months of uh, coaching where users will go through two or three interactions throughout the first two months and then they will come again and do a series of interactions during, during the next months. And we can see how the indicator is changing and also test whether this the impact on this indicate, indicator is because users are going through a coaching conversation or it's because they're uh, going through another type of training. So this is also a very important, uh, very important control measure that not, that should be introduced for the cleanness of, for the cleanness and precision of the experiment. Yes, yes, I hear you on that. And uh, providing humans with context is not a simple exercise. So for virtual coach to, you know, to be trained uh, in the context area is going to be a very complex task. So where do you expect, I mean, what kind of technical, non-technical challenges you see uh, the develop, your development effort, you know, facing in the coming years? In the coming years, of course, we are... Uh, going to face uh, the challenge, and we're already facing the challenge, is the return of, of the users. So how do we help users to understand that they can get a help, uh, they can get help, not only first time or second time, but how to make uh, this interaction such an interaction where the users will come again and again, and where, where we can seamlessly integrate in their uh, in their habits, but it's not very different from the habit of from uh, from the habit of reflection. It's how to help people, how, how to give people a way to step back, stop for a moment, and start reflecting on what they're doing. So, if we would be able to find a technological mean for that and find those events that can uh, help our machine to understand that. It can remind about itself or help user to remember about the machine. This is one of the challenges: uh, is to make is to become uh, is to become a tool that user relate to that they that they refer to. Uh, another big uh, another big challenge, though, uh, I I do think we have a way to do it is to the way to to solve this challenge is to work with a variety of language it's how to uh, how to make machine understand the same situations expressed in different way yes yes now that would be amazing uh, uh, to be able to solve those kind of problems so uh, what would you like to tell our global viewers and listeners and especially those researchers academicians who may be interested in you know, in uh, joining your project to advance this field further how do you you know how would you advise them to to decide whether you, these virtual coaches you know or the partnering with you would be uh, the right you know way to go and how can they take decision which uh, you know areas 
they can develop the coaching. So, I mean, is there a certain guideline you can provide them? So, first of all, I uh, I will provide you the link that you may post uh, together with uh, with the cast of this video. I guess you're going to publish it somewhere. So, I'm going to provide the link where we publish open questions that we ask together with the research community. And if there is a question that resonates with uh, with what one or another research team is looking at, we would be happy to continue the conversation and to set up uh, to set up a pilot project to work with the organization or uh, a large student community to make to make this project successful. We would be very open to to have a discussion on that and to do everything. Uh, to set up the successful, uh, set, to set up a successful research project. So this is this is one aspect. The second aspect, I want uh, everyone, uh, both researchers and those who work in human capital management, human capital development uh, domain, to generate to to generate this curiosity and to support this curiosity and how machines can ask this question to your uh, to your leaders how can machine help the help the end user how can how can the line manager be supported in his day-to-day -day work not by hard skill that he may get from from massive online course but 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 from a soft skill and if you have an answer to that, uh, come to us and we can help you to build a, a very, very tailored, uh, tailored program that you can then make uh, available not only to your organization, but to the whole world. Yes, not that, yes. I think this is the way, this is the way uh, learning, and learning and development leaders can contribute not only to their organization, but also to make their organization well known and well positioned. And because it is helping and building this uh, this transitional uh, skills. Yes. For, for everyone, not only inside the, the, the organization. You know, I think you are doing really interesting and very important work. And I hope that you get all the support that you need to take this uh, initiative for the, you know, to the next step. So thank you so much, Nikita, for participating in Risk Round. Thank you. And we are in a fundraising campaign right now uh, for uh, a seed stage, uh, seed stage funding. Okay. So of course, if there, is a, if there is an interest, we'll be able to discuss it. Wonderful. Now, I hope you know that uh, you get all the support that includes financial support also to take this initiative forward. So we appreciate your thoughtful insight on explaining the AI driven virtual coach and our global viewers and listeners would benefit tremendously from the understanding you provided on the state of AI driven virtual coach and you know how it works and where it could help. And even if a single individual or entity can understand the power of the AI driven virtual coach and uh, you know decides to come and collaborate with you to take this initiative further, uh, this discount of discussion uh, has been of service and we thank you for that. Thank you, thank you. 
Wonderful. So Risk Roundup, a global initiative launched by Risk Group, is a security risk reporting for risk emerging from existing and emerging technologies, technology conversions, and transformation happening across cyberspace, aquaspace, geospace, and space. We at Risk Group believe that risk management, security, and peace, they walk together hand in hand. Though security is related to management of threats and peace to the management of conflict, risk management is related to management of security vulnerabilities as well as management of conflict. And it is not possible to conceive any one of the three without the existence of the other two. All three concepts feed into each other. We believe that the security we build for ourselves is precarious and uncertain until it is secured for everyone across nations. Tradition becomes our security. So if we build a culture of managing risk effectively, it will lead us to security and security will lead us to peace. Let's manage the existing and emerging risk together. For more information on the risk roundups, to watch the risk roundup video or hear the risk roundup podcast, please go to riskgrouplc.com and do not forget to subscribe and share. Until next time, I'm Jayshree, host of Risk Roundup, signing off. See you next time. Thank you.